Welcome to Control-Alt-Revolt, episode 106. It is Happy Freedom Celebration Men Day. Kyle Rittenhouse was uh, acquitted on all counts, deemed not guilty of uh, exercising his constitutional right to defend himself and to strike a blow against globalist manipulated tyranny, in my opinion. Medusa, what dost thou say on this fine day? That was so awesome. That made me so happy when you told me that. Um, I am glad that just the BS lefties didn't get away with their shenanigans and that justice was done. And especially that a young kid's life wasn't ruined, you know, like that they were willing to use a young kid as a pawn like that. And they were perfectly fine with ruining his life just to get their little, you know, political points or whatever. That's messed up. So I am so happy that he, you know, that justice was served for him and he gets his life back. And, you know, obviously the, bigger implications that you know for second amendment and you know all of us being able to defend ourselves also is great so i'm so happy yeah yay yeah it's nice to know that justice is still alive Mm -hmm. there was a uh a a report from california gascon is releasing uh criminals who have murdered people and the families are basically being uh denied their justice and so my 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 position is if the state uses its abilities to advance its own political means at the expense of your justice, then by default, justice is now in your hands and you may take it. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why you would be very happy with me in some sort of official or unofficial dictatorial slash warlord power. Now, bonus round this afternoon, we are enjoying the lamentations of their soy. (laughs) Of their soy? Of their soy boys? I uh, I just managed to catch one clip of MSNBC and completely useless kitchen tool. Uh, what is his name? Chuck Todd. Oh yeah. He's the he he's the he's the useless kitchen tool that like real simple suggests to you like <laughs> you know. Do you have a lime squasher? You know, you know, like a cherry pit remover. Do you have a cherry pit remover? Chuck Todd is the useless kitchen. He's, he's the one that's in your drawer and you can't figure out what to do with it. <laughs> and when you do use it, you're like, this handle's all bad. It doesn't even do what it says. I have like one spatula. I have one one of the... Uh, I, have, I have four spatulas. So that tells you how much I like to cook. The fish... fish the fist. The fist spatula. The fish spatula is ultimately the best spatula. Oh, I have one other one that I like. Right. It was called a cookie spatula, and I the, like that one. But the real runner-up, or the real number one in actual spatulas, because the fish fish spatula isn't really a spatula. It's a fish spatula. And it's metal. So. And it's metal. Yeah. It's the little one. Yeah, the little one is the one I like. That's, that one was called a cookie that's spatula. That's the one like that, that you one. get the most control yeah, over. Yeah, I agree. That is the Catherine Herridge, the <laughs> uh, Laura Logan of spatulas chuck todd is like you know like uh do you have the flipomatic? basically you just you know take your pan and flip it upside down and you don't need to flip anymore and it's like two pans and it's a ridiculous <laughs> yeah. it's a ridiculous thing and then the pan like it turns out the top pan isn't actually heated and so it slows down your cooking time and ruins your meal that is chuck todd so he was literally like i think crying and struggling over like what do we tell the families of the victims the victims were 
Uh, one was a child molester. I know yeah. that. Who raped multiple young yeah, like children. Yeah, like five, I think yeah. it was. So maybe you should tell their families that he shouldn't have done those really messed up, yeah. jacked up things. Maybe yeah. that's what you should tell their families. And that he fooled around and he found out what happens when you fool around. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting time to be alive. Now, the... Uh, the left and, and and actually actual like you know the jihad squad as Lauren Boebert called them I think Corey Bush, um, who seems to be some sort of uneducated clown that won the lottery for her state and she gets to be uh, the representative the political representative somehow that's a very interesting state, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know oh, she are you being serious no <laughs> for a second I was like wait what. No. Okay, I'm I'm gullible. <laughs> no, I, I was trying to say that she won the lottery is a nice way to say that the people who elected her are total dolts. Oh yeah. You know, like these are these are people with like zero due diligence. You know, like, you know, good enough. She's the color I feel guilty about. Let's send. And she's literally saying this is white supremacy because this white kid defended himself against three white people and it's white supremacy. You know, but so they really are, in my opinion. And so it is heads up ball this weekend. We'll see tonight what's going to happen. But it's almost about three o'clock here in the Southland. And we are a bit on the riot prone side. So I think we're going to make our way home on this uh, schmazy cold late fall day. Not really cold for the rest of the country, but for us. And we're feeling a little rundown, and we're actually in the middle of a whole bunch of editing for Forgotten Ruin 5, so that's why the podcasts have been a little thin this week. We do apologize. We will try to pick up the slack and pay you back. But at least the books will be out on time. But at least the so. books will be... But but the Lamentations of Their Soy are enjoyable, and so they're, they're comforting themselves with hoping that there will be a full night of rioting and looting and justice for Trayvon and... Free tennis shoes and Louis Vuitton. Yeah, I bet Louis Vuitton right now they are. They are calling <laughs> around to the Home Depots like, you got your wood? You know how to swing a hammer? We got to get this boarded up. <laughs> oh, man. Well, actually, you know what Louis Vuitton could do? Because <laughs> what could, They already got looted. Well, the one in Chicago got looted yesterday by like 17 people. Uh, have I got a perfect business plan for them? You know how we are... Half-price Louis Vuitton <laughs> no, in the next hour. No, but you know hour. how we've heard before that yeah. Louis Vuitton yes. burns a yeah. certain amount of their uh, merchandise. Number one, I know, is because they absolutely will never, ever, ever put their things on sale. Ever. Yeah. Like, there's never a Louis Vuitton discount um, or sales. So, they will just burn their merchandise rather than sell it on sale or you've heard that sometimes they do it to kind of keep things exclusive and whatever it's called it's called controlled uh shrinkage or controlled inventory but or no what is it it's a um it's like controlled availability but it's basically a lot of high-end companies use it to keep their brand really good so that there's only a, a limited amount of number of things and so they don't they don't need like outlets or anything like that and so they will actually arbitrarily I think arbitrarily is the right word, uh, destroy their merchandise rather than let it fall into the hands of a consumer at a, uh, I think at a, at a price point, but also they don't want oversaturation because they still want to keep it as like, Hey, if you've got this, you're, you're on the inside track. So they wouldn't want to do it with that merchandise, but for the stuff that like they would be like, okay, it's time to put this on sale 
or clearance, they don't do that. They burn it. So what they can do is they can take all that merchandise and just put that in the stores because they were going to burn it anyway because it was like not sale. Well, what well. they do, the people who are looting for justice. Right. For the three white guys that were smoked by hero kid Kyle Rittenhouse. Um is they they steal it there and then I think I have it pretty much figured out because I I saw the end game of it. If you watched like the 10 freeway that you know travels throughout the United States and the 40 and everything like that, they then jump in a car. I'm not kidding, like that night and start driving for the West Coast. And then they get out here and they use white liberal con- commercial guilt to basically exchange those items for money in the store just waiting for that store clerk to go did you loot this and then they're gonna you know throw a fit but after the last round of looting i saw a lot of like um sports jerseys let's just put it from that way from other states uh returning i think you counted up one package there was about one guy was holding about twenty thousand dollars in merchandise at least because i mean he probably had about 10 bags 10 large bags from the most expensive stores i mean like chanel dior louis vuitton like crazy and i was like yeah what like you never ever see no and he he was he was he looked like he looked like a guy dealing crack on the street that's what I was going to say. It wasn't even like sports jerseys, like where you're like, that guy, that guy looks like a pro athlete. Like it wasn't like that. It was like, no. it, you could tell. Catherine Austin <laughs> uh, Fitz, who is our new kind of fun project to, uh, we like her. She's our new guru. We don't have gurus, but we're digging her. We're digging what she's laying down over there at the Solaria Report. She calls that the weaponization of the populations. And she says it's one of the big reasons you should avoid living in the cities because the city, because the Dems, really the globalists, the Dems are like the primary front organization. But let's be honest, it's also the rhinos. It's the Republican Party. It's the neocons. It's not the conservatives or the America firsters. Uh, I would say it's not the conservatives, but I don't know of any conservatives really to tell you the truth. Um the only conservatives I know are kind of like actual people like me. But if anybody knows an actual conservative who's been elected to anything, I, I would love to know who that conservative is. But I don't like you. I don't think there are any. But yeah. there's the America first crowd that's making all these sort of like, I'm a conservative. I'm into America. Let's do the right thing. Let's repeal taxes, everything like that. But what they don't realize is... We've been down this road before with the Tea Party. And guys like Adam Kinzinger were Tea Party elected. So, uh, as Dan Bongino said the other day, cutesy time is over. So, when Lauren Boebert, and, you, and if you can look up her speech on the floor the other day, she went into Congress Al Pacino with a flamethrower style. And she laid it down. Now, she's demonstrating what I think we need to demand to see. That cutesy time is over. That the the new rules are I have to win it all 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 the time because that's what the left is the left the left always has to win or it's the death of civilization the left always has to win or you're all racist the left has to always win or the system is broken okay you've taught us the rules let's take out the left and its sides our side always has to win at all costs or you're out and this next election I feel that the Republicans due to polling are thinking they've got it wrapped up and we really need to disabuse them of that notion even if we need to take the L on this election and I'm not a big fan of that 
but we cannot go back to the Paul Ryans. We cannot go back to the Lindsey Grahams. We cannot go back to the Mitch McConnells who just sell us out constantly. The Mike Pence's. We've got to get rid of these people. We need people who are going to go in there with a flamethrower because guess what? That's what the other side does. The other side, even when they're not in power, as demonstrated through the first two years of Trump, still had all the power. Exactly. So cutesy time's over. It's time to burn stuff down. And we will know you by the uh, black smoke of your work. We will know you by the wasteland, the burning wasteland that you leave in your trail, and we shall follow you. So that's just my personal navigation point. You know, you can measure cut, measure twice, cut once. Your mileage may vary. Whatever you want to say, um, it's it's an interesting concept that you might want to pursue in your own life. And yeah, it's probably time to get involved in politics. And if you think that, you know, uh, politics isn't your jam, guess what? You're 100% wrapped up in politics, whether you like it or not. And now is the time, and I think we have our moment to fight here and do it, but we need flamethrowers. We don't need any more diplomats. Uh, we don't need any more my, my esteemed friend across the aisle they're at war with us, and it's time for you to put on your battle belt, rock up. It's time for you to go to war with them. Exactly. I agree wholeheartedly. And yeah, I loved the Lauren Boebert speech. I think one of our favorite parts was when she said, Ilhan Omar, something about her husband, her, and not her brother husband, not her brother the other husband, one. Which is a true statement. <laughs> I know. Which is a, no one more crooked than Ilhan Omar. Oh my no gosh. one more crooked. Yeah. And the funny thing is their own party knows it, and they also know that AOC is completely crooked. And stupid. And they're going to burn them. That's the hilarious thing. They're going to burn them when they need to. Mm -hmm. Because I do think that the Democrat Party will try to say, okay, we need to be more moderate now. And they're going to burn the squad. And it's it's funny, but they're not. They're all left. Even our own side is left. You know, they laugh about it and high-five it behind our backs for... Remember when Paul Ryan was all like, I'm I'm for paying off the debt and I'm America and all these kinds of things. And biggest, biggest liar, con artist, rhino in the entire world. Totally took four years of a presidency that, that we had and just stalled it right into the ground. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because we, I don't like Trump because Trump's bad. Yeah, there's other there's lots of things I don't like, but you still lock shields and get it done. If you were really the other side does. Yeah. I mean, if you were really for what you said you're for, you wouldn't care. You would just be like, I'm going to utilize this guy I don't like to accomplish the stuff that I believe in. Well, so clearly you didn't believe in the stuff that you were saying you believed in or no, you would have gotten it accomplished. It's the Colin Powell thing. They always tell you about all the principles that they have, especially when they're voting against their own people. Mm -hmm. That's when they have the courage of their convictions, but they never seem to have their courage of doing the thing that they were hired to do. You know, it's just it's just this quizzling thing that I'm I'm I, I and I love that that they got a good dose of it in Adam Kinzinger, who, like I said, was a twee a, a twee party tea party kind of guy. He he literally should have been in the twee party mm -hmm. chair force. Um, <laughs> did all the work for them in damaging Trump, and then found himself out of a job. Ha 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 <laughs> effing ha. <laughs> exactly. What do you got on the radar today, Medusa? We were talking about something while we were eating lunch about mainly that they know you're right. Like you were saying, even when they're maybe attacking you, yeah, um, they know that you're right. Um, and it was about pushing the red button. 
that's not going to be clear to everyone, but maybe you could break it down. Yeah. If we were if we were a rap act, you, lay down some fresh beats. You would you would have just sang like the chorus line. Uh huh. And then you'd be all, hey, young MC Nick, break it down. Exactly. And then I'd come in with the funky rap beat, you know, like children in the streets, ladies in the sheets, bubba bubba dubba dubba hubba dubba deets. <laughs> I just made that up. Can you tell? It's a hit. It's, it's a, a hit, I think. Yeah. It's a hit. Those uh, uh, Let's Go Brandon songs and their many permutations are I becoming know. instant hits. I know. <laughs> instant Great. hits. I do want to say today, it's very interesting. I don't know if Joe Biden uh, recovered from his butt stuff that he had to do. I think they call it a colonoscopy. <laughs> I actually heard that they canceled it because of Turkey, apparently, because Turkey's melting down. The lira is absolutely melting down, which is a big, big thing to watch. Um, but basically money is collapsing across a lot of the, a lot of the world. And you have to remember Turkey is uh, a Middle Eastern economic powerhouse and until about a hundred years ago ruled ruled a large vast section of the world that most modern people don't understand. And I don't mean they were just big in Turkey. The Ottoman Empire was huge. Um, so Turkey is still you know that that crossroads of East and West. And when money starts to tank there, you've got some problems. You're you're heading toward an impending financial crisis. One of the last crises and really the rise of Bitcoin came out of that region when Crete tanked. Um, but we'll we'll see what's going to happen now. Um, but basically, what was I saying? Um, well, the topic that yeah, we the talked topic. about at lunch was... I was working towards a point to get into it. They really know you're yeah, they right, really, they yeah. don't want to push the red button. And this, and this all they... comes out of the Solaria Report, which is where we're digging into on our hunt for Mr. Global. And basically sitting through um, Catherine Austin Fitz's masterclass on the deep state, which is eye-opening to say the least, would you say? Yeah, and it's really extensive. Like we're on part three and each part is about somewhere between two, two and a half, three, three and a half hours. So each of those parts are that long and there's 10 parts. So we're on part three and it's extremely interesting. I mean, like I'm constantly feeling like I can't wait to get back to it and hear what else she's going to say. I mean, so many things about her time in Washington and like uh, just yeah, her C- her CV is incredible. So like, this is not, this is not. I mean, like, if she did not have the CV that she has, like, you'd almost be like, oh, this is too weird. This is this is a homeless person just rattling on. It's like, no, her CV is pretty extensive. She's pretty sober. She lays out the case, the facts, shows you where to look, and then you look online and people talk about her. And like the word, the description that I have heard pop up is that she is the Morpheus of the internet. So. Mm. I, I, I highly encourage you to give it a listen um, over at the Solari Report. She will say some things that will literally put your jaw on the floor. What are some of the things that have bothered you? I mean, just uh, something that we heard today that I just thought was interesting. I, I don't know that it bothered me as much as some of it, but it, it's interesting as she was talking about. Um, she worked under Jack Kemp as part of her time in Washington. And I mean, one of the things she said was... Every he was known, you know. Everyone kind of felt that he was mentally unstable. Never knew that. And uh, but basically that he, I think at one point she said he, she felt that he kind of wanted to do the right thing, but he 
felt like his hands were tied and he basically couldn't. So he would sort of like order her to do the right thing in this or that situation, you know, look into this and, you know, uh, figure out what's wrong going on with this budget thing or whatever. And she would, but then he would really send other people along to foil her attempts at it. And, yeah. And so that it would look like he was trying to get the right thing accomplished, but then he would also send other people to sort of mess it up so it wouldn't get accomplished. Yeah. Which it turned like he, this is this is this is the 89 Bush administration and specifically the HUD housing department. And it turns out, according to Catherine, Austin Fitz, that the HUD was basically used to finance the deep states move into multinational corporations. And they did that basically with drug use and basically the CIA going in and, um, you know, turning turning a population, in this case, the black population in Virginia and D.C. um, into criminals uh, or criminalizing their activities. putting them in for pay prisons and then taking those areas and gentrifying them and then basically washing the money through there. She estimates it's between 21 and $50 trillion has disappeared into the deep state. And um, that that's how they're financing their operations and the moves that they made. She definitely identifies Microsoft as a deep state funded corporation from the get go. And I've also heard the same thing about Facebook and a few of the other tech giants that they come straight out of the, this, the the Dar- the DARPA CIA actual development, but then also the funding through the missing money and HUD with these sort of for-profit prison, you know, HUD land re- re- you know gentrification things, and even also paying people in in to do kind of dirty tricks for them in sort of no compete bids on foreclosed properties. So really, really stunning stuff. But it brings us to the question of which I think and she talks about this a lot and she'll tell you in most of her talks, like if you haven't listened to me explain the red button, you really need to go listen to it. And it's like about a minute video, like you can go over to her site and just kind of look at it and I'll I'll do my best to butcher it here. But basically she was giving a talk one time and she was laying out to some very smart people how, you know, the U.S. government is crooked. It's very crooked, and she was a part of it. Um, and it basically is a narco-funded uh, uh, enterprise using drugs to to basically finance the things that they want to do and profiting off the misery of people who are addicted and also criminalizing these people into for-profit systems. And And the average person says, oh my gosh, that's horrible. And then she turns around and she had this epiphany while she was giving this talk. And she said, basically, now that you know that, you need to know that there's a red button on this lectern that can stop that, can stop a system that basically guarantees the insiders get 1% capital and you get 30% capital. They get all the deals, they get all the inside hooks, and you pay for it. You pay for it both physically in your taxes, you pay for it coming and going, and it's like the vaccine. We paid Big Pharma to develop our vaccine, and Big Pharma is now supposedly charging us for the vaccine through our taxes and the state monies. Then you go one step further, which is the story Alex Jones broke last night. And, you know, Alex Jones is crazy. He's the crazy guy about Russiagate, and he's the crazy guy about Chimera Big Babies and all the things, except lately it's turning out that Alex Jones is right about a lot of things. So it's worth listening. Well, 
Bolsonaro down in Brazil turned over the document that Pfizer was making all the government sign. And our government signed it too. And in that document, it says, if you fail to pay us, we own all your military bases. And there were some other clauses. It's, it's a surreal document, but apparently it's completely real. And in effect, it names both Bill Gates and Pfizer as basically being the leaders of the country, being unquestioned in what they want to do. And supposedly the drug companies played hardball because they wanted to know their defense, that if they were going to develop all this money and investment, there would be a return. And the default on it, if they if they weren't rewarded, was they basically owned the United States and every other country that they managed to get signed this deal. I still don't believe that. That's too incredible for me to believe, even though Alex Jones has the documents, Bolsonaro shared the documents. It's an actual story people are talking about. And it's so incredible, I can't believe it. So going back to Catherine Fitz Austin, Austin Fitz, she says, now that you know that the government is basically using all these illegal activities to keep the veneer of civilization going, which she describes the United States like Disneyland, she's like, there's all the rides at the top and everything like that. But what you don't understand is there's a whole sort of underground system. And we know you've worked at Disney and I have too, I think, or kind of, maybe, but I've, I've been backstage you, yeah. and I've been in theater and everything like that. And you know, like the things that you're seeing on stage, little drink of keen coffee, Turkish latte here. Yeah, is, uh, you know, what's going on backstage does not look as magical as what right. you see. The backstage backstage is where the ropes are and where the donkey is and where the prop fat prop guy is. And, you know, like, it's not pretty backstage. They keep it dark because it's ugly and they don't want you to see it. And she says, basically, that you have to understand that's how the United States is. There's a lot of sewer stuff you're not seeing. And that's what allows you to have Starbucks. And it allows you to have a 401k and allows you to have, you know, a house in the suburbs and the potential to dream and all of these kinds of things. But she's saying you have to understand the way that it's all financed and her jam is finance. Her jam is finance. And that's what she did at the highest levels. And she did it so well that they had to get rid of her because she was doing it so well. Um, and that's, you know, the, your mileage may vary. I, I really encourage you to do your due diligence over at Solari Report and tell me what you think. But it's pretty fascinating stuff. And I'd honestly, I'd like to be disabused of what she, she says. I am like, it's a concept, a, a thing that Medusa and I have been talking about because Medusa is obsessive. And for Medusa, you know, the old G.I. Joe saying knowing is half the battle. For you, knowing is the whole battle. Almost all of it, yeah. Yeah, you just want to know. That's your big thing. And I am one of those people that has understood the lesson that sometimes you can know too much and the rubber band can snap back and you suddenly get really excited about a lamp and a nice chair and a book and pretending that the world doesn't exist and you can you can escape into worlds of literature or fantasy or daydreaming. And, and you know, because the world's, world can be a, like... You look close enough and long enough, you know, it's it goes back to the Nathaniel Hawthorne story about young Goodman Brown. You go out into the night and you meet the devil and he takes you to an orgy out in the woods where all your neighbors are worshiping the devil and having sex. And then you go home and you wake up in your bed. Can you really look at your neighbors the same way? No, but I mean, my whole thing is it's not that I like what I find out when we, you know, look into stuff like this. It's not like I would like what I found out in that uh, Hawthorne situation, young Goodman Brown, but like 
if that is what's going on, I'd rather know it. Than then what are you going to do with it? Well, at least he knows it. But then and, at and, least and, you know you can't trust those people. Before, right. Before he probably he, thought you could. In the novel, he spends the rest of his days silent, and and he's no longer young, nor happy, nor really a member of the community because he's really seen what they do. But otherwise, it he was. Has a, he leads a miserable life. But his happiness was built on false pretenses. Well, I mean, so. that's that's why you get back to those masters of literature, and it's what he was basically saying. Like, which which do you do? And and so, anyways, to go to the red story of the red button, where we're at is, if the state of the real world is as is as in the Nathaniel Hawthorne Young Goodman Brown novel, which is really the devil's orgy in the night, which that looks tame compared to some of the things that she has illuminated that our government and the deep state are doing. Um, just take the Franklin children scandal, all those things. I'd burp up some coffee there. <laughs> Sorry, I had salad for lunch. <laughs> and you're sitting there as you with your mortgage or your tools or your dreams or your hopes or your boats or your guns and, and your 401ks and your investments or your family and your idea of life. And she comes and tells you, hey, the, your government is the devil and it's having an orgy out there in the night on your dime and people are being hurt and consumed. Here's this red button. If you push this red button, it stops. And the world in the United States is forced to find a green button. Or I like a blue button better than a green button. Green is too climate changey, and I don't think she's a. I think we all agree she climate change is a scam. But I, I know. Money, you know. Green is the money button. What she's saying is how money really should work, instead of money's not actually working the way it's supposed to work right now, which is why it's devalued and why it's collapsing in Turkey, and it will soon be collapsing here. But an actual green money system where money works as an asset and an exchange and a medium and value and there's profit and people actually want to do things to earn your business instead of steal from you um, or what she calls diminishing. Um, but your 401k is at stake. Your investments are at stake. If you, if you push that red button, you lose it all. But all the carnage and violence and devil orgies stop. And she put that question to 100 very smart financial people in a room that she was lecturing to. And she said, any one of you that want to press the red button, come up here and press it. And in the end, only one person could bring themselves to press the red button. And when she asked the other 99 why they wouldn't do it, they said, because we don't want to lose our paychecks. We don't want to lose our money. Yes, but you know this suffering is going on in the world. You know these things are happening. You know that your government is taking your money and destroying lives with it, not even anymore in the name of the greater good, that's lip service, but actually to enrich themselves. And until they're done with you, they'll keep giving you a check. Yeah. And so I think we all have to look inside of ourselves and ask ourselves, like, would you push the red button? I know you would. I would. I'm kind of extreme like that. But I mean, yeah, I'm just black and white. And like, I would. I like the nice things. I like when there's money. But I've also lived with pretty much no money and I know how to do it and I would be willing to do it if it was um, to get rid of all that corruption and everything I would totally do it yeah for sure how about you I feel that you would be the same way I would push the red button yeah. and then I would machine gun the 99 <laughs> really yeah. okay like straight, straight, straight out of Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> You're even more hardcore than me. I just believe, I just believe that like when you have cancer and corrupt, rot and corruption, I don't believe in this sort of 
Um, I believe you can change if you want to change, but you can't compulsorily force change. And so if you're not going to have a come to Jesus moment on your own, then you should be wiped out. When you've seen like this is the situation and and you still didn't choose it. You're just going to be a problem tomorrow. And I don't like leaving problems anywhere in my life. In my own life, I clean problems as I go as fast as I can. But if you're going to tell me like, oh, I'm going to be a problem for, I'm just going to like, and that's half of the problem with, we, we give the moral squirrels a pass and then they, they time and time again surface to do it again. It's like, well, why not just shoot him in the head and bury him in the desert? You know, the, that's what the mob does. When they realize you're going to be a problem later, they solve you now. I wonder if this needs to be a behind the paywall show after you, <laughs> after you've well, said those it's things. All, it's all theoretical. Theoretical, of course. It's theoretical. <laughs> yeah. But that leads us to, I think, the last thing that we want to talk about tonight, which is a very interesting thing, and it's going to dovetail with the red button story. And I think this is the part that I think is going to blow your mind. She talks about how this sort of global technocracy and elite societies and everything like that are moving you towards a conclusion. And she says, you're going to Rome, but their goal is to get you to pay for the trip to go to Rome. So that's how they run everything. It's not enough that they can force you to do it. What they want you to do is pay you to do it. No. Or you you pay. pay them. You pay to do it. Maybe not. Yeah. You really pay them to do it. Like that's that's a big thing for them. They get a thrill out of it. They get power out of it. They get resources out of it. So it makes sense. A lot of smart, they do things very, like they're not dumb. They do things very intelligently. And and I think that's the thing that will kind of scare the hell out of you. But she said they love what are called field systems. And they love to basically take the herd of humanity and put ideas into that herd of humanity, knowing the end game that they want to execute. Like, let's just take like the computer. They want they want to develop a faster computer. And so what they'll do is they'll say, or even just a computer in that case. So rather than just doing all the R&D on their own and all these kinds of things, what they'll do is they'll, they'll put the impetus into the culture and then let the herd animals basically develop what they want. And then they will proprietarily own it and steal it. There is a, a great... The one that we listened to about the program that they stole, that the government stole from the guy, promise? the promise, promise? The, promise, yeah, the promise program that they stole, which was a great way to basically DAs wanted to use it to track criminals. And in turn, the government stole it from the guy who developed it and sold it to the rest of the world. And that basically is the beginning of their Snowden-esque infiltration or what Snowden talks about infiltration of the entire surveillance and ownership of the Internet. And it, it probably in all likelihood originates with the promise program. So it's very interesting. Um, But it got me thinking, and she doesn't say this, but it got me thinking, and that's why you're on this podcast to see what kind of deranged ideas I can come up with in the melodious tones of Medusa's voice. Oh, thank you. Um, But in, in many respects, I think all of us, and especially the people that are listening to this, and we're science fiction people and, and things like that, and readers, and everybody here is pretty intelligent, I think. I mean, from the comments that I listen to, and, and you guys have some very strong groundings in history, and, and you kind of 
know what's going to happen realistically. And I think you also have some ideas or what we call fantasies or even dreams or plans for the future and how you'd like to see the future go. So in a respect, we are futurists too. And we're, I think obviously if you're here and you're not scanning for offense or informing on us or developing files for the FBI, um, you're a futurist and you're interested in the future of humanity and you're interested in your own future. And it might shock you to know that in my opinion, after hearing her make that comment and I began to think about it and I'm throwing this out here for everybody to deconstruct it, tear it apart and tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I think I'm right. That the people that we're playing against the globalist secret society tech elites, let's just call it that they are futurists too. They definitely have an idea about the future. They, they say, like, let's put it this way. This is a better way to put it. They're concerned about the future and where it's going. Because we see that in everything they're talking about. The climate change, the longevity, the transhumanism, vaccinations, the government. All of these things, Every everything is rooted in the future. And they always, they always cry about how tomorrow is ruined and tomorrow's at stake and the crisis of tomorrow. So they're, they're just like us. They're futurists. And you may think, well, yeah, isn't everybody? Nope, they're not. Most people are not futurists. Most people don't care about the future. They care about right now. And that may be willful. It isn't a large portion of them, but it's also by design in a lot of them that they've just decided to be happy. They've just decided to have the lamp and the book and the comfortable chair. And sometimes that's food and sometimes that's Netflix and sometimes that's addiction or pornography or gambling. Those are the things that they want that make them feel comfortable and they don't think about the future. Because if you were really thinking about the future, you wouldn't gamble because that's the fastest way to lose your money because gambling is actually designed to take your money away from you. And pornography is a great way to destroy your marriage or to destroy your life. So you wouldn't do that either if you thought about the future. And being a glutton and falling for every basically programming commercial on TV. Have you tried the biggest burger in town that this chick is eating and it's sloppy and gooey and you will find so much happiness out of this burger? You wouldn't eat that. That burger's killing you. That sugar shake's killing you. All of these things are killing you. Now, most of us here kind of know that. And so we treat ourselves to those things, but we don't hopefully do them every day. And if we are, we can make those adjustments now and correct those things. But but most people aren't thinking about that. They're, they're thinking, and I've talked about this, when you look at most people who commit crimes or hurt other people, or honestly, even serial killers who they try to say are sociopathic or psychopathic and don't have these sort of like long-term planning consequence feelings that come out of the uh, frontal lobe. They're still saying, and, I, and, I, and I'll bet all my money out, they're still saying maybe this, you know, maybe skinning this girl alive and wearing her flesh around will make me happy. You know, for the trans people, you know, maybe if I cut off my junk, I will be happy. The gambling guy, if the bills win, I'll be happy. If I watch this video, I shouldn't have, I will be happy. And you're never happy. Like you're never happy in any of those things. I mean, I don't know about 90% of them. But most of the wrong that you do, have you ever truly been happy afterwards? No, you're like, shame, guilt, uh, blah, 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 blah. Now I better go have some sugar or a cigarette or a glass of whiskey or whatever it is. Like, there's no happiness. So what does this have to do with the red button, you're asking? What does this have to do? Well, I'm just trying to point out that the people who are trying to enslave us are futurists. 
And you're a futurist too. Now, here's the thing that I think that's going to shock you. They know that you're right. They know that it's going to end badly. They know that we are headed without truth and common sense and guidance and the things that we all have to live our ordinary lives with. Do you have enough money in the account to do this? Is this the right thing to do? That doesn't make sense. Two plus two isn't five. No, you can't be a girl if you're genetically and biologically a boy. Like all the things that they propose in advance, would it shock you to know that they actually agree with you? That is the truth. Because I do believe that they're futurists. I don't think that they think that that girls who think that they're boys are, are, are boys. I don't think they think any of those things. I think that's lip service and propaganda and branding and advertising. But really, it's manipulation and mind control. But they know that if things continue the way that they are continuing, just as you know, if things continue the way that they are going, it's going to end badly. They know that. They know that just like you, like it's, it's crazy, but I think sometimes mythology or let's, I hate to say comic books and things like that, but I think sometimes there are examples in comic books where they've tried to make the, the case that like sometimes Batman is the criminal and sometimes the hero is the villain not, not necessarily in that way and everything like that, but more in this way, there's a fine line between good and evil. And, and sometimes it's just a tick of which side you're understanding. Because, like, for all intents and purposes, intensive purposes, intense mm-hmm. and purposes, <laughs> Batman is a criminal. I mean, wasn't that what the Kyle Rittenhouse case was all about? Was Batman a criminal or not? There's Batman out every night beating the crap, assault and battery. You know, throwing people off of buildings. All Yeah, he's preventing crime. And he's doing the right thing. And in a moral society, truthful people like us, we can go, yes, you need a Batman to go do those things. But in a legalistic, lawful society, which is not always a rightful a rightful society, technically, Batman is violating the law. Yeah, exactly. Um, although, like, I think he's doing it in a more offensive kind of way. Not allowed to do it. I'm saying, though, Kyle Rittenhouse was very defensive. Sure, like yeah, was... I'm just, but I, I'm just making the case, like, to the listeners, you and the deep state slash globalists, you both know the truth. You're closer to each other than the mass of uninformed masses, 90% of you who are, who are surrounding you right now. People who are like, what's the game? Is there a fight on Saturday night? Because I want to watch big guy beat up ripped guy. And I hope I see blood and a broken toe. And we're going to have a bucket of McNuggets and awesome sauce. Are you thinking about that? No, you're thinking about the future. That's why you're listening to this podcast. And you're trying to formulate your own thoughts. And you're reading it because it's survival. Every day is survival. So I'm trying to say... That when she made that comment about fields and how the globalists and the elites try to use the mass, the quote unquote herd of humanity, which is their term and a term I despise, to get the things that they want done done, what it led me to believe is that there may be every chance that the globalists know the truth as much as we know the truth. They know the outcome. And what they're attempting with the manipulation and mind control of humanity and the diminishing is to change that outcome. Why would they do that? Why do they want 
to not push the red button when in reality I think everybody in this podcast would push the red button. I, I, I really believe that. Because if they push the red button, they're the people that don't want to lose their paycheck. And more, they don't want to stop doing what they're doing, which is some pretty immoral and evil stuff. And finally, the final one, they want to be the inside. They want the one thing that humanities want, that humans want, sometimes across the board, which is to be on the inside, to be part of the in club, to have the power, to be behind the velvet rope, to get into the clubs, to do all those things that they actually think are meaningful and are actually meaningless. They are just like you. They see the future and they're trying to change it for the outcome where they don't want to push the red button. In that, you and they are very much alike, except you will push the green button. And that's the podcast.